how much do we really know about gender diversity? In this thought-provoking episode, I interviewed Caroline Farberger, a former CEO and now a board member, and she shares her experiences as a CEO before and after her gender transition. So we discussed so many things, but primarily we focus on her self-realization about the differences of leading an organization before as a man and then as a woman. Then our vulnerability, embracing authenticity, really help her to, to build deeper trust and connection with the female colleagues. And finally, the importance of inclusive leadership and practical actions how to drive gender diversity in your organization. So this is one of the most impactful episodes I ever recorded. So I really, really hope that you listen, you stay with us because it's going to be a transformative experience. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of the World Class Leader Show. In today's episode, I'm so excited to have with me Caroline Farberger. So Caroline is a professional chairperson, a board member, tech investor, experienced CEO, keynote speaker, and author. So and up until 2022, she was a CEO of the Swedish insurer ICA Insurance, having spent a total of 25 years in the financial industry on several senior management positions. In addition to her line management experience, Caroline has also been a dot-com entrepreneur consultant with McKinsey too and also has been a first senior business leader in the Nordics to speak openly about her gender transition. And so that's really an interesting conversation today. So we're going to talk about CEOs, as always, impact, performance, future, but also we're going to tackle one of the most important elements right now, which is really gender diversity. So Caroline, thank you so much for being on the show today. Happy to be here with you. Super. So where are you today, Caroline, exactly? For the audience. Well, I'm actually sitting at my home in the small town of Sigtuna, north of Stockholm in Sweden, where I have my residence. That's awesome. And I don't know, guys, if you know in the audience, I lived in uh, in a Scandinavian country too, but the other side, Norway, so foreign years. So I'm very familiar with Scandinavian culture. So always happy to have some people from the north coming to the show. And Caroline, so the reason why I connected, because Caroline, you know, as as a, she's a speaker, so she speaks also a lot in number of global events. She has been also in BBC recently, and as far as I remember, the interview was a blast, right? So you had a lot of people listening. What was your, your experience, by the way, Caroline, speaking with BBC? I mean, it, I'm always uh, happy to speak about my experiences, and and uh, and the usual uh, um, angle of the interview is that uh, I've been CEO both as a man and a woman. And I can tell from own experience what are the differences. Mm. And uh, that usually intrigues people. Yeah. And by the way, you're already intriguing me because it's, it's good to see. Look, I think that's very interesting. I never thought about, you know, having a CEO reflection experience, you know, from two different angles, from the different perspective, but from the same person, right? Because otherwise we create a sort of different bias too. So is he, maybe that is a good start of the conversation. So being a CEO for many years of how many, by the way, how many employees um, ICA insurance used to have when you were there? I mean, we, we had 500 employees. 500. Okay, good. Yeah. And, uh, and how many years you've been as a CEO for insurance, more or less? Uh, six years up until one year ago. Great, great. That's that's wonderful. And now, as far as we discussed last time, you are much more involved as a board member, right? So that's you changing a little bit yes. the side of the same table, right? Yes. So why don't we start with the CEO experience? Because you're a little mm -hmm. bit back on your on your uh, on your time. Then we'll we'll cover as well on the board. But mm -hmm. you just raised a very good point. So 
what does it mean being a CEO before as a man and then as a woman? So what is a different perspective that you can tell us how that changed for you and then maybe mm. I'm sure also for the organization? Yeah. I mean, when I lived as a male CEO, which is up until uh, around five years ago, I actually genuinely thought that I knew it all about gender equality and the situation for women in business. If someone asked me, I could talk with great confidence on the topic. And I also genuinely believed that everyone had the same opportunity, regardless of gender or minority status. And uh, that there were always uh, good explanations why there are so few minorities on uh, CEO positions, like Mm. different interests and like. It took me only a few months to live as a woman, as a female CEO, to realize how wrong I had been and how little I had understood on this topic. Wow. And it was not because I was treated differently myself. After all, I had my CEO business card, which still gave me privileges. But rather, the women around me included me as one of them in the female community. And they told me stories they hadn't told me before, like how tough the jargon could be. Those jokes that were laughed at, some of them were not at all that funny. How difficult Mm. it was to make your voice heard in meetings. How difficult it was to uh, influence decisions that seemingly had been made by men outside the meeting room. And even examples of sexual harassment that had gone unreported in the system due to lack of faith in the system, committed by men close to me. And I trusted those men and asked Mm. these women, why didn't you tell me all of this before? We had so many one-on-one meetings, you know, I asked all the right questions in the HR rule book. They were like, don't you see, you lived as a man back then. You wouldn't have understood. If I would have come to you with all these things, you would just see me as a weak person, as a complaining person, someone who was not fit for management. Then I realized that when I lived as a man, I didn't have the complete picture of what was going on around me. I had a filtered picture because I had a rather tough attitude towards management. You know, growing up as a boy, learning how to fight in the schoolyards, and then a year in the military, being trained not to show weakness, Then my first six working years was as a management consultant with McKinsey, working 80 hours a week, being trained never to complain about high workload. So I had a rather rather tough attitude towards management, which made me unconsciously blind to people not having the same privileges I had. Mm. Because we live in a business world with norms, and depending on geography, there's usually one type of person who who are the norm. And in my part of the world, Northern Europe, uh, it's being a white, straight male, which is the dominant category. And if you belong to that category, you have privileges. You don't see them in writing, but it's part of everyday life. And I was blind to that. I refuse to believe it when I belong to the privilege category, but I see it now. It's very hard to see privileges if you yourself belong to the privilege category. Yeah, and look, it's so fascinating because essentially what you what you are saying is you were as everybody does, you were wearing a pair of lens, and the pair of lens has changed. You know when you decided to make the change for yourself as a person, and then immediately you started to see things from completely from a different pair of lens, right? And also, but but also people around you they perceive you. So it sounds like also people around you, particularly female, as you describe, 
they've also changed the pair of lens in the relation that they had with the CEO. Is that right? Yes, yes, that is correct. Because one of the key differences why I gained the trust at a deeper level with mm. women and other minorities around me was that I dared to show vulnerability. I dared to show weakness because I've been trained during my 50 years as a man on higher levels, always to project strength, never yes. to show weakness always to be super confident about stuff, although I might be insecure inside myself. And if you always project strength and never admit any weaknesses, you actually, I now realize, do not invite to have really authentic discussions. You do not, you do not invite other people around you to talk about their weaknesses and, and their vulnerabilities if you don't do it yourself. And when I did my gender transition, which many people saw as, wow, that was brave, uh, you showed a lot of vulnerability, then other people dared to show vulnerability also, and I of got course. to know them on a completely different level. Yeah, that's amazing, because they've seen the leaders do first, say, yeah, I can do it, or I can say exactly how I feel, right? I love that. It's really, and, and I suppose, is it fair to say um, that once, I mean, it sounds like that after the move that you made, internal in the organization you have directly indirectly generated a different level of openness and transparency within the entire organization it sounds like based on what i'm understanding right from you did that impact as well the level of results and performance in your opinion that level of opening transparency yes uh, but only because i also changed management style and mm. uh, here's why we come into the uh, area of diversity and inclusion. Because when I lived as a male CEO, I thought I knew it all about diversity and inclusion. It was it was like, I mean, give me the metrics and I will deliver on them while I'm anyway delivering my quarterly report. And in diversity, you usually have metrics like, uh, you know, maybe gender composition, you know, management board, etc. I could deliver on that. I had five men and five women. Yes, the women were head of legal and HR, compliance and risk management, and all the guys were the business line heads, right. because after all, that was a business, you know. And this thing about inclusion, it was so vague, and there were no KPIs. So I thought, I can probably talk myself out of it if someone asks me when I'm on stage. But then I realized that's where the real value is. Because if you if you take strides employing diverse people, but you don't use their assets, uh, and their knowledge. It makes little use of employing them other than for show. So I realized I had a rather excluding management style. Uh, I was told by women after my transition when they dared to give me honest feedback. I was told that I had a very dominating management style. You know, I usually open my management meetings by by stating what is to be discussed and then my preferred way of solving it. So be more directive, had, it sounds like. Yeah. Yes. And, and then as a supporter, I had my male CFO and uh, saying the same thing, uh, supporting me because, of course, we had talked before the meeting so that we would, heaven forbid, not contradict one another in the meeting. And, and then there were another guy also supporting us. Suddenly, we were three guys saying the same thing. And then I asked the other people in the room, including the women, do we have any more opinions? And they right. usually just gave me smiles because they knew that I didn't want to hear anything else. I wanted to have loyalty, you know, team building. I was a team captain. I were, And loyalty, in my view back then, was being loyal to my opinion. Mm. But then I realized afterwards that... 
I had spent time recruiting diverse people with diverse background and uh, knowledge that I didn't have, but I didn't use that knowledge. You didn't uh, listen properly no, there but and it, leverage it, it, there, right? Yeah. And then I understood what inclusive leadership is. Inclusive leadership, that's a management style and culture that allows everyone to be themselves mm. and bring their whole selves to work. And where you as an employer see the uniquenesses we have in background and skill set as a as a an advantage to the business. Yeah. So I changed my management style. Instead of opening the meeting myself, I let someone else uh, prepare the matter, present the matter to be discussed. And then I l- facilitated the discussion in such a way that it was balanced and everyone contributed. You know, in every management meeting I've had, there's usually a few people who are very generous, you know, mm. generous in sharing their opinions on any matter that's being discussed, regardless of their own knowledge of, of the matter, right? Yes. Those people have to manage it down and instead encourage people with more diverse background to talk. And I, as a manager, made sure that I didn't make up my own mind which way to go until I understood the perspective from everyone in the room, especially those with a diverse background. That made us make better business decisions. Yes, the discussions were sometimes longer, but in my experience as a CEO, we made better business discussions, better business decisions leading to better financial results. I totally agree. I can't, I mean, to me, that is music for my ear. So it sounds like you changed from being leading more directive as, as a CEO, as a leader to become more like a facilitator. And actually, in the way I prefer saying, he's more like an orchestrator. So he's, right? he's orchestrating different point of views and make sure everybody feels heard and a contributor can give his personal ideas, right? Yes, exactly. So which was a contradiction to the management style, let's say the more macho management style that I had learned as a man, because when I grew up, uh, I mean, I've been I'm 55 years old now. When I grew up, that those were the big icons in business world. I mean, uh, guys with, uh, with strong opinions, and those were yes. my role models. The problem is that the world is moving so fast now, and new knowledge is uh, is is uh, required, and if you as a leader are not, uh, not open up and mm. include people with different knowledge and let yourself influenced by them, you will be bypassed by competitors. And I agree. And, and 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 by the way, when we talk about diversity, I think there is still a lot of misunderstanding what really diversity means because it's very easy to relate diversity in terms of race, or gender, mm-hmm. or age. But there are so many other diversities that are not even considered, right? So that's something yeah, that, yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, there, there are aspects of diversity that is visible on on a photograph. There are aspects of diversity exactly. that you actually need the CV to see. For example, uh, degrees, uh, or or you know, you, you might have a, a very peculiar uh, university diploma, but it's also cognitive diversity. Some people are very structured, some are very creative. And uh, if you do not actively construct your management team of people with complementary skill sets and complementary way of thinking, you run the risk of having very uniform decision-making style that on in short term might feel efficient and you feel you make quick decisions, make things happen. But but you might make the wrong decisions and your competitors might make better decisions. 
You know, I 100% agree with you. And by the way, so going back to your relationship with the executive team, your own leadership mm -hmm. team after you made the change and you changed your management style too, how that, how was, so what sort of response you got mm -hmm. from the leadership team, right? Because yeah. look, you know, from, you know, I, I do a lot of work with the CEOs and with the board. So, you know, working with the, with the update, you know, up and coming talents and working for the next mm. level leaders, it's easier to shape changes. Actually, yes. they welcome new novelty, welcome a more um, open culture, etc. Sometimes, especially with the executive, they've been there for many years. You know, you brought uh, such a such an element of change, you know, all yes. together to some extent. How have you been able to drive change at that level? Uh, well, first of all, it's always good to have the privilege of having a CEO business card because ultimately at the end of the day, I decide. Yes. Uh, but secondly, also, the uh, having undergone a gender transition while in my position as CEO, I believe also gave me a lot of personal respect as a human being of someone who's done something that is brave. Yes. Um, but also, I... Uh, I told my story in such a way uh, that uh, that especially to the other men actually opened their eyes a bit because I told them that I had been so ignorant to a number of aspects uh, that I didn't see, which I hope helped them along the way. But needless to say, I mean, some of the macho men, they they didn't say very much. They They went along because of loyalty, because the benefit with men as in general is that they, they understand hierarchies and if someone above them uh, tells you something they uh, yes. they more often than not obey but the more interesting aspect is that the minorities around me especially women they opened up very much because they felt that they could connect to me yes yes and uh, they dared to share their opinions even if those opinions differed from the macho men in the room and when i uh, gave them support and encouraged them to continue share their opinions. They were much more engaged. Yes. So, uh, so my retention rate ratio, so some very highly skilled talent improved. For example, in financial services where I operate, uh, risk management and compliance resources are, are usually very scarce, and they usually change mm -hmm. employers every now and then to increase their salary. Both of these women in charge of risk and uh, compliance came to me and said that they had competing offers with uh, with higher salaries, but that that they chose to remain in my team because here they felt included that their opinions matter, as opposed to just being happy of having a seat at the table but never being listened to. So, uh, so there are HR aspects also to it, uh, in, uh, in addition to the aspects of actually making better decisions. Yeah, that's brilliant. So it's essentially, they felt understood, listened, understood, and considered. So, so in other words, valued, right? Yes. And we had a much more balanced discussions because, again, in the old days, I and my CFO, we had a pre-meeting where we kind of agreed uh, between the two of us what we should agree in the bigger management meeting. Uh, and it was very difficult to uh, to, to achieve another out outcome uh, for the other people. Uh, now I very much came in with an open mind. What can I learn from my colleagues before I make my decision? That was my mental state. That's great. Now, here's a tough question, I think. 
you said before, going through that personal transition as a CEO has helped you because you had already the privilege of being CEO. So, mm-hmm. you know, either an organization is very hierarchical or not, but clearly, mm-hmm. you know, the status of a CEO. So it, it clearly you can shape and drive different actions and different way of dealing because you are a CEO. Mm-hmm. So you're essentially driving the agenda. Regardless, you know, of course you are facilitating or orchestrating more, more on the listening. Now, the tough question is, if you were not the CEO, so you if you mm-hmm. just were another member of the executive mm-hmm. team, not even say director or manager, I'm just saying yeah. even, a, yeah. do you think that you would have been able to let everyone in the organization be more aware about diversity and importance of mm-hmm. that? Or you think you could have not achieved the same level of results that you did mm-hmm. just because you were a CEO? Mm-hmm. A uh, good question. Most certainly, I have had privileges in doing this. At the same time, uh, there's also been a, a lot of more spotlight on me. And if I would have mm. done something wrong or inappropriate yes. in a way, there would have been bigger consequences. So there's uh, higher pressure on me. Uh, but having said that, uh, if I would have done it at a more junior level in the organization, uh, it would be highly dependent on the attitude of my uh, next manager and uh, mm-hmm. maybe the, the next manager in line af- after that, which boils down to the company culture. Because even I, uh, I mean, I, I was CEO, but still part of, of, a, of a bigger uh, conglomerate, uh, ICA. And it's I sense that in the culture that they would probably accept me if I came out because I've had employers uh, previously in my career at which place I would not have felt comfortable because if you are an LGBTQ person you can sense in the air if yeah, uh, exactly. if it will be work I mean it's it's what is being joked joked about around the coffee table what is the attitude uh, to to minorities or even just women I mean are there sexist jokes in the uh, in the meeting room etc you you can sense that and um, and i felt that it was very good culture where you celebrated diversity either you just tolerate diversity i mean all big employers tolerate diversity we have beautifully written hr policies to talk about anti discrimination mm-hmm. and all the stuff uh, but do you just tolerate it? That is that you will deal with it according to the law when it happens, or do you celebrate it? Do you have in the culture that you see it as a benefit that people are themselves? I felt that my employees celebrated diversity. That made me feel secure that I I dare to come out here. And I, I assume that if you didn't feel the organization was able to celebrate it, you would have probably not do it. In that yes. organization, at least, right? I would, I would probably have had uh, switched to another employer where yeah. I would have felt more safe. Right, right. I like actually what you said. It, it made me thinking about so the the toler the tolerating tolerating diversity essentially sounds like kind of a baseline. So it's a kind of a minimum condition to have everyone feel yes. at least they can be part of the conver- the, the conversation with the organization. Yes. But then the huge 
big step, you know, ahead is when you start celebrating and appreciating that way, you know, diversity, which is really what differentiates organizations from a cultural standpoint. That's what my takeaway from what you just said. Is that right? That, that is exactly right. And I looked for proof points. How do I know that they celebrate diversity? And they give you my, one example. The bigger ICA group that my insurance company belonged to is actually a large grocery retail chain in Sweden. There was this local store owner through from an own initiative decided to hoist the pride flag outside yes. uh, their store. There were right-wing extremists who were uh, opposing that and even painted racist uh, graffiti on the, on the uh, on the outside walls of that store. What did the store owner do? The store owner decided to raise the bets and uh, and they ordered uh, plastic bags with a new graphic layout with pride flags so that all customers leaving the store uh, used plastic bags with rainbow colors simply to sort of raise the stakes and and take and uh, take a stance and that story was celebrated internally in the whole organization uh, that store owner was celebrated as a hero and right. i'm not sure that that would have happened in all organizations uh, across the world but uh, but i felt that wow here's how you celebrate a, a hero who's taking a stance on uh, on important uh, matters so do you think that cultural change stick then in ica because you left right so one year ago as far as i understand correctly from mm. your from yes. your bio so one year ago you left as a ceo yes so based on your understanding about how CA is going now, do you think yes. that the cultural changes that you drove about diversity as now is very stick? Is it very still very present or you feel that given that you were a CEO, yeah. you're leaving, so you might yeah. probably potentially lose that sort of... No, no, um, no. And the, uh, I believe that the ICA organization is still quite proud of having uh, harbored me uh, to be to, to be the re to be the employer who actually managed to pull this through because i th i see it as a joint success a success for me as a human being that i could find the courage to come out as who i am i mean doing a gender transition at the age of 55 and being a ceo required some courage for me but i also think that ica is uh, um, it's also proud that they uh, managed to do this because, after all, I worked there two years as a man, four years as a woman. Uh, so, uh, and the reason why I left a year ago because I wanted to pursue a uh, you know professional board career, so I'd uh, so I could own my time a bit more. Yeah, and I'll I'll ask you in in, in the next question more about your board experience. I'm just curious about the last thing that you said in terms of courage. Of course, courage is. Is clearly one of your attributes based on you know personal experience. Do you think that courage was something that you had already before, or something that you developed by the time? And how much courage now is a part of your way of leading yeah. organization and be you know in front of everyone to speak yeah. about? So how much courage was already there? How much you build it through experience? Uh, I think it's the maturity of age, turning fifty. I mean, I. I wouldn't have had the courage when I was still 30 years old. But at that time, I was a McKinsey consultant preoccupied or conforming to whatever norms yes. uh, were prevalent yes. at my employer. But turning 50 and being more secure of myself and, and thought that I have only one life to live. Uh, I have the right to live my life the way I want to live my life. And also, but seeing my children in their eyes, I mean, if 
if I don't make a contribution myself to be authentic in my life and live my life uh, the way I want, what, what would I tell my children if one of my children said that, Dad, I think I'm homosexual? I mean, would I enter a discussion with my child? You know, my child, there are pros and cons of coming out as who you are. Society might treat you badly and blah, blah. Or would I encourage my child? Of course, I would encourage my child to live authentically. And then I thought, what kind of role model would I be as a parent if I didn't live authentically? So, I mean, the maturity of age and being a parent uh, helped me. That's that's great. That's wonderful experience, by the way. Um, so we said, you know, you then decided to move more into board members. So what was the yes. reason why you decided to be more involved with board and not any and not having any more yeah. CEOs uh, responsibility? Yes. Yeah. And what I mean, is the what is your takeaway now working in a, as a board member? So from the other side of the table, what are some reflection that yeah. you have now? Based on I mean, yeah. When I still lived as a man, I realized now in hindsight that being a CEO, being in charge of a big uh, PNL, was very closely associated to my ego. That is, when I looked myself in the mirror, I wanted to uh, see a CEO, a successful CEO. And uh, whenever I had uh, was uh, being suggested for, for promotion, it was e it was very important for me to measure, okay, how much uh, would my top line be? How many employees would I come on? That was important for my ego. I now realize in hindsight that I wasn't really based on my values or what, what I really thought was important in life. Uh, and uh, having spent four years as a female CEO, I kind of realized that what is important for me in life is to actually steer my priorities myself, what I want to engage myself in, own my time, but also be more value-based. That is, uh, devote my time on things I, uh, where I see I can make a huge impact. Because after a while, I mean, I was, I was CEO for six years with the same company, it becomes a lot of routine after a while. You have Monday management meetings, you have quarterly meetings, you have, I mean, it's very much routine. And I and, uh, and also felt that I've delegated a lot of the authority to my management team. So I, it wasn't really challenging for me and myself. Mm. So I felt that you know, by, by owning my time, I could make sure that I dynamically shift the composition of stuff I do uh so that i feel that whatever i i spend my time on is actually value based and it creates an impact so i do essentially three things three things i'm a general partner and the chairperson of a venture capital firm called well street there i spend some of my time working with the investments in uh, small tech companies and helping them along the way as venture capitalists do then I have a portfolio of professional board memberships, uh, one uh, real estate chain, one bank, and one uh, big insurance broker, where I use my skill set in financial services, uh, because then I can both work in the boardroom and then as a consultant within the organization, helping management uh, with topics I have experience in. And then I also do keynote speaking across Europe and uh, North America on the how to on diversity and inclusion and how to do inclusive management and authentic management. And I feel that the composition of activities gives me much more freedom than being a CEO, because I know being a CEO is like you're always on alert. If your phone rings uh, on a Saturday morning or Sunday morning, uh, you, uh, your heartbeat go, uh, goes up, oh, 
now maybe something bad has happened. The IT has broken down or a key part of your management team is resigning or a large customer is being unhappy. You're almost in a, you know, see my crisis mode. Yes. yes. Um, at, at age of 55, I'm very happy to have those years behind me. Yes, I think so. It's, it sounds like, you know, probably it's a better positioning for you because you stay elevated a bit, right? So you're not into the day-to-day, -day, into, you know, yes. all the entrenched into the crisis, into the opera, operate, opera, operational element yeah. of, of being a CEO, which is which is a risk, right? Because and, and, and I can also engage as a coach to, uh, to many executive teams on mm. leadership without being biased myself. If I was still CEO, it would be difficult of to course. explain how could I spend time doing that. Uh, but uh, working with others, helping others uh, without having a vested interest myself is a huge liberty. Uh, I can, I can, I can bet on this. That's great. So, Caroline, I mean, time is flying, and I love this conversation. I want to also to, if you want, to give some sort of advice to you know the CEOs that we have mm -hmm. right now in the audience today. They're listening, or board members, or anyone mm -hmm. other sort of senior leaders. Mm -hmm. They are struggling to. You mentioned a little bit earlier in the conversation. I love the point. I really, maybe we need to spend an entire episode mm -hmm. there, right? Our measuring, right? Yes. The, gender diversity and in general speaking the diversity and the quality um what sort of advice that could be practical today for the audience to listen or to hear from you in order to drive a differently yes. strategy about gender equality in yeah. other organizations because i know there are so many that think yeah yeah am i doing enough am i doing the right thing or uh -huh. just you know scratching the surface the the surface just yes. to show that we are doing something right yeah i mean uh do not uh, see diversity and inclusion as an HR issue that uh, that you don't need to deal with yourself. Do not see it as just something that you need for your sustainability report in order yes. to look good and satisfy external stakeholders. In fact, it is a culture and a management style that can not only make the company as such more successful, but actually you as a person. When I was 50 years old, I... Re I I remember I had the attitude that I probably don't need to learn so much more stuff mm. because after all, I was a successful CEO and uh, yeah, whatever, point, right? yeah, whatever yeah. I've learned, I, I can probably just replicate, you know, copy paste for the remaining stretch of my, my professional life and, uh, you know, have an easy, easy ride. I now realize that the world is moving faster than ever before and life is a continuous learning journey. If you do not educate yourself, if you do not constantly learn more about what you don't know about, including this topic we're talking about, then you might become obsolete before you are ready for it. So, so realize that there's a lot of stuff that you probably don't know about diversity and inclusion. It's something that you need to deal with it personally. You need mm. to educate yourself about what mm. you do not know and it's in your own interest you will be a better leader you will be more relevant you will be more successful your company will be more successful it should be a personal priority for you and also we still have issues out there in the workforce about uh, not taking full advantage of the skill sets that diverse employees have including women if you're not yourself part of the solution of creating a better, more including culture, 
you might unconsciously be part of the problem. Mm, totally right. You become part of the conditions, mm. essentially, right? And by the way, I love the point about it starts from you educating yourself. And I think it's also a personal transformation that you have to go through, mm. really, because it doesn't mean that you have to go through your own journey, right? Like yours, mm. Caroline, because of course, that is, that's not you know, common and frequent, and it shouldn't be, right? Because that's not, mm. it, it requires a particular level of courage, as you said before. But also, I think if you don't really understand what does it mean personally to appreciate diversity, you will never really be able yeah. to do it because you are going to get stuck with your own bias and perception and belief that you already have, right? Yeah, and uh, it's so interesting to see uh, when I meet with senior male executives who suddenly start talking about this topic, it more often turns out that they, for example, have daughters who have challenged them because then it suddenly becomes a personal issue. Before it was maybe just a statistical thing that wasn't really close upon them. But suddenly if they have daughters being senior teenagers and start to challenge their dads, then they start to understand. So so uh, if you have so, so seek out people close to yourself yes. and confide in people close to yourself at work and uh, and uh, ask them to uh, to give you some pretty hard feedback and uh, and tell you what you might not know yourself about your management style. Yeah, I love that. The 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 closer you get to diversity inclusion, the more will be or the easier will be to understand exactly what does it mean for others, but also start using a different pair of lens, going back to the context, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah, because if you hear messages from someone you can relate to, a family yes. member yes. or a close associate at work, you tend to listen a bit more. Totally right. Yeah, because it's something mm -hmm. that happens to you, you feel that might happen to you yes. in a way or another. So, well, that's great. I think that is really starting point for driving that different agenda. So. Carolina, last three questions. Very good. I'm looking for a quick answer as much as you can. So, mm -hmm. is there one thing above you know everything that we discussed today? There is one single element that you can say, you know, looking back to all my experience, I learned one thing. It, there, there is one thing above many others that for you represent the biggest learning of your career, your experience. It would be that uh, the biggest asset in any organization is uh, the potential in the people in the organization. It is not the structures as such or the physical assets, but the ambition and the uh, commitment and the energy in the uh, in the people. And it's up to me as a manager to, add, to uh, shape my management style so as to maximize that potential. Great. And in terms of learning, is there any specific so what is your way of learning more about yourself, learning about things that you don't tell? I mean, are you normally, yeah, what's your, the, what's your way I mean, to my, learn for you? I, I constantly seek out opportunities to meet new people. For example, when I lived as a man, I was a very regular Freemason. I meet my close buddies at the Freemason Lodge uh, usually every week. I met the same people all over again. And uh, which was very comfortable, but very rarely did we did our opinions differ. Uh, but now I constantly seek out opportunities. How could I expose myself to as much new people as possible, preferably of different kinds, religions, geographies, and seek to and uh, and learn from them 
to seek opportunities to learn. Yeah, and again, I think you are you have an incredible privilege of being able through your story, your career, to be yourself in different, with completely different perspective and see things in a different way, embracing both and change your actions according to the way how you have seen things, which is, to me, is the most important thing for you, for ourselves and to drive different performance. Finally, you know, it's it's an interesting question. Sometimes gets a very, very diff- different answer. So is there anything that you would have done differently? in your store, in your career, based on what you know now? Well, actually, I have the mental attitude to say clear no to that because all the decisions I've made throughout my life, I've made with the knowledge and the courage and inspiration I had at that time. So I don't regret any steps. Uh, If I could theoretically uh, take my wisdom from now early in life maybe i would have made differently but again but that's that's uh, that's hypothetical uh the only thing that i spend time on it it is what i can do going forward right and many ceos by the way they think in the same way so they don't see even failures or setbacks even if you don't tell you but i'm saying general as a Mm. as a regress they say i am as a result of what happened to me in the past. And sometimes you can make decisions a little bit earlier, a little bit later, but doesn't really change the journey or the path that you're going through. So love that. Carolyn, that's that's amazing. So where people should go if they want to know more about your job, your work, and what you're doing? Well, you find me on LinkedIn, Caroline Farberger. I respond to anyone. I also have a homepage, carolinefarberger.com, where I have links to media yes. articles in many languages. So uh, so uh, if if your native language is not English, I'm quite sure that there are news clippings in your local language on my homepage, carolinefarberger.com. And we'll put them in the show notes so people that can easily go there. Mm-hmm. So, Caroline, thank you so much for being with me today and with the audience. Honestly, I, I can't say how much I love the conversation. So it was amazing. So thank you so much. Thank you for a very good conversation. 